Hello, operators. Whether you're tier one or tier none, you're welcome here. I was the white motorcycle policeman. Hello, operators. Whether you're tier one or tier none, you're welcome here. I'd like you to grab a pen and a paper because, in my humble opinion, the next 45 minutes to an hour are going to be the most invaluable time we spend. You know, my goal is to bring you more information, more data, things that you can use. Um, I'm excited. As you can see, that our guest there is Mr. Jonathan Bernstein. Wave, Jonathan. Let everybody know you're here. I'm here. I'm going to do a long-winded introduction. I'm never at a loss for words, but I'm excited to have Mr. Bernstein with us today. A couple things. Good example. I'm going to do a bad example. Bad example. School shooting, mass shooting, uh, gun violations, horrific events happen. What's the gun industry do? Crickets, people. I hear nothing from them. The largest Second Amendment group comes out and makes a statement that, in my opinion, is usually insensitive to those that have suffered this horrific event, whatever it may be. And then they make another statement, and they immediately turn to fundraising. They're two smaller groups who do make powerful messages, who I think are on the right track, but they're not getting out there. Only people who see that are the people who have joined those two other groups. Not doing well. Uh, I understand some of the gun makers say, well, it wasn't my gun that was used, Ed. Well, you know what? Someday it might be. You've got to be prepared for that. Uh, who does a good job of crisis management? My opinion, airlines do a great job of crisis management. Airplane disaster, airplane crash, what happens? Front and center comes the highest ranking person with the company, CEO. And what do they do? They address the human side first. Our hearts go out with the families of our passengers and our crew. They established a rapport immediately with that. We're making every effort to bring those family members who wish to to join us at ABC or crash site or wherever the event happened. And then they express that their sincere interest and that they've already are already cooperating with authorities. We have the FAA full access to records. NTSB National Tra Transportation Safety Board is on site. They have full access to our records and our mechanics and everything available to them. It's very powerful stuff. Uh, the gun industry, we don't do that. Uh, our lobbying groups, what do they do? They're going after the laws that are being made. I, I think that's a mistake. I think you have to get ahead of this. Mr. Bernstein, an expert on this, get ahead of this to win the hearts and minds of people. We can't make everybody a gun lover, and that shouldn't be our intention. We can probably, and I think Mr. Bernstein agree, move them from a negative to at least a neutral. So this is the called... Goal, the, the goal is always to... You've always got three audiences. And first of all, you're on the right track. They should hire you as a spokesperson because you, you, you want to come across with compassion, confidence, and competence. And if you don't have compassion first for the feelings of those affected, whether you agree with them or not, nobody's going to listen to you. And you're dealing with three groups. You're dealing with the critics who will never agree with you, the extreme critics. And that isn't the audience. And then certainly you're talking to your supporters and your allies who might speak up to support you. But the vast battle is for the hearts and minds of the fence sitters. And I, what you're saying accurately is the fence sitters are not being addressed here. And so you're losing a lot of potential supporters. And you want the fence sitters to ideally become supporters. But what you don't want them to do is become critics. And if you don't deal with them properly, that's what will happen. They will default to becoming critics. And you, you, you can't just split the battle inside the Beltway in Washington. You've got to win the hearts and minds of the people who might be key voters at the right time for you uh, in the meantime. 
Outstanding. I, I finally feel like I accomplished it. I got one right. If Mr. Bernstein, Jonathan, looks familiar to you, you might have seen him. Let me think. Let's see. CNBC, uh, published in Forbes magazine. Where else might our audience have seen you? Most major media internationally. We, we probably give an interview a week to traditional media. Outstanding. And I really want to thank you for coming to our small niche market where people <laughs> by the thousands run to our podcast and immediately wonder why and how they got here. Well, I'm a longtime gun owner. I've, I've been involved with with gun programs since I was 14, 15 years old in NRA programs. I was a hunter and shooter as a teenager living as a dependent in South Korea in the 60s. I was in the army, of course. I had a bit of exposure there. I was a member of a German shooting club and competed. And I competed in friendly competitions locally until just a few years ago with with two pistols, and I also shot, uh, did a lot of work with my shotgun. So I've given those away to my son now because my upper back can't take it anymore. But I've always had a long time association with safe ownership of weapons. Boy, I love that phrase, safe ownership of weapons. Uh, as you know, I'm involved with Shot Show every year, the largest wholesale gun convention in the country. Uh, I did an unofficial survey. I love surveys. I like those if they uh, support <laughs> support my beliefs. No, just kidding. I asked for the last two years because in election cycles, Second Amendment gun ownership gets beaten to death. Uh, and with all the relevant laws and things that are passing, I asked two things when people walk by the booth in the morning and evening afterwards after the, after the show floor is closed. Who is your crisis management consultant? And do you have a full-time lobbyist? And I get that deer-in-the-headlight look. They have no idea what I'm talking about. And and I get concerned because I like the AR-15 platform. I visit factories all the time, and I see their millions of dollars worth of equipment, and I don't understand why they're not as concerned as I am. If I make AR-15s and a light bulb comes on and I realize that I can't easily convert these machines to make heart valves... And I call Jonathan Bernstein. We're going to provide your information all through the show in a tagline at the bottom like Fox News does uh, and the other one, CNN. We're going to show your website. But if I have that awakening moment where I say, where am I? I need something. And I call you. You've got a list of things that for fun and for free on your website. But you've also got some things that you do for clients. Can you take me through that step by step? Sure. There's a four-part process uh, to crisis preparedness as opposed to break, as breaking crisis short circuits this process. But if you want to get ready in advance for managing any kind of issue, first you do what we call a vulnerability audit. You look at where anybody could pick apart anything you're saying or doing, and do you have a good answer for that? And now, do you do you know, that where in, are you? I'm sorry, do sorry? you do that in person? I'm sorry, what was the question? Do you do that in person or can you do it remotely? It can be done remotely. It it's, depends on how many people need to be spoken with and whether sometimes an audit requires a physical presence. Sometimes they need to walk through a factory and point out things that are anybody. If you showed the if, you, if with the mind of a reporter, which I used to be, I was an investigative journalist in Washington, D.C. after I got out of the service. So I, I'm a reporter, but I'm working on my client's side and I'm looking around and saying, OK, if I saw that as a reporter for any network you want to name, I would be wondering what that was for, you know? And so we do an audit first and every, any, we're looking at HR, we're looking at manufacturing, we're looking at legal, we're looking at PR, looking for red flags we've identified in 30 years of doing this. 
And once we've identified those, we try to mitigate them as much as we can and move on to actually creating a plan, training people on how to use the plan, including media training. And that's all before you actually launch any kind of crisis communication and, and, program. And you've got a lot of experience with attorneys, right? You work hand in glove uh, with attorneys. Yeah, about 50% of the time we're, we're directly co- contracted to counsel on litigation-related matters to keep our work as privileged as possible. It's not the same level of privilege as attorney-client, but it's high enough level that in the four or five times people have tried to get information from me or get me to be deposed, um, they've not succeeded. At the same time, my contract specifically says that if I am deposed, they will pay my fee. <laughs> Outstanding. Because people don't, I, I don't think they realize how critical this is when something bad happens. Because if something bad happens, how fast? That fast. Right. Court of pu- public court of public opinion is real-time, instant these days with the Internet. Court of law could go on for years and years and years. But in the meantime, the court of public opinion is... I'm not sure you or I would consider this to be any difference, but the lawyers, there's a difference between influencing the jury, jury pool, which they are not allowed to do according to legal ethics, and educating the jury pool, which they are allowed to do. So we help them educate the jury pool, which does make a difference on both jurists, the, you know, the, the, the uh, judges, and on potential jury members. So you've come and you've done your analysis, you've done your, your review of our systems or our, our our policies and our procedures, and you present us a plan, plan, a proven plan, a, pro- a plan based on almost forty years of doing this. Yes. How hard is it? Now I'm going to play the devil's advocate. How hard is it to get a hard charging CEO to stick to a plan when his feet or her feet are put to the fire? Uh, if I have properly trained them in advance, it's not hard. Because in the training process, I will find out whether the likelihood of that CEO being a loose cannon. All right. So, that, so <laughs> and I will tell a CEO to his or her face, sir or madam, if you're going to be a loose cannon, you should not be the spokesperson. Outstanding. And you do provide that training. Yes. I do see that on your website. You and your group of folks come out and do that training. And I'm glad that you have the experience and the strength to say, hey, you're not the one. And you've had to do that, haven't you? Now, I, I worked, I worked uh, for one of my clients for seven years was Craigslist. And Jim Buckmaster, the CEO of Craigslist, one of the nicest compliments he gave me was that um, you don't pander to me. Did you hear that, folks in the gun industry? <laughs> Craigslist, you've seen what amazing business they do, and you've also seen how they've been drugged through the mud. Guess all, what? all of the stuff that we, we took them to Washington, D.C. when they went through the whole allegations of human trafficking uh and they eventually dumped that whole section where it was strongly suspected that escorts advertised uh, but they fought that for a long time because they felt on first amendment rights that should be possible for people to have those ads and all of that preparation is we did with with jim and not only did they survive they're thriving now thanks to you they are thriving absolutely and let me guess they have an ongoing plan from you they have an, they had an entire process for effective crisis management set up by me, which is they had a they, as as the way of accounts everywhere. They had a brand new uh, in-house general counsel come in, and he cleaned house, new law firm, new PR firm. Hence, their former client. But yes, while I was there, they were very well prepared, 
and I was on the phone with Craig Nomark almost daily. So we've talked to the CEO. You've you've already talked to the lawyers. You have a plan in place. Uh, we have this in a file someplace, and then something happens. And I'm reminded recently of the Beverly Hills Hotel, Salt Lubernai, principal ownership. Uh, they changed some laws. They revert back to some Sharia law. The communities uh, against those changes in Sharia law went so hard and fast that the Instagram, Facebook, YouTube that the best that they could do with all the money available, I know he wasn't your client because all the money available, the best that they could think to do is to shut everything down. Yep. They literally went dark for almost 30 days on each of those because oh, I, they didn't have you. And it was a predictable crisis. As, a, it, as soon as they decided to change some laws that were going to be unpopular in this country, the reaction was entirely predictable. Just like the reaction to what's going on in Hong Kong and the NBA controversy, completely predictable by each of the parties that have spoken up by LeBron James, by the, the Rockets manager and so on, entirely predictable. And you mentioned earlier airline websites that get launched when a crisis breaks. Right. Any gun-related business should have that kind of website. Any business that thinks it's going to come under criticism, naturally because of what they do, should have an, uh, a, what we call a hot site. Did ready hear, for launch. Did you hear that? Gun manufacturers. And I don't mean just manufacturers. If you sell a product that's related to guns, if you sell a holster, if you sell a T-shirt, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to diverge, uh, Patreon, looking at people's accounts. Hey, you sell shirts that might offend somebody. Merchant moves it to the back page. Patreon, it's still there. Uh, who's PayPal. PayPal is closing some accounts. Not just closing your account. They're freezing your account for up to 90 days because you are involved in the gun industry. So all of you, it's not just gun makers, any kind of business. If you're in business and you have a potential, if you sell something to somebody, you're at risk. So have well, a backup website. What is the backup website? $6 maybe to secure the name? Yeah, I mean, a domain for $10, $12 at most. Creating a basic WordPress site is so easy these days that, you know, the only cost is if you want to make it look nice. Exactly. But, you know, my, my son, who does this for our business the most, can throw up a WordPress site in 15 minutes. It's not difficult to do. Oh, it's the, and that, that's that's worth the, the money you spent to watch today and listen, which would cost you nothing. But that's an invaluable point as everything as we've covered so far. So I've you've come in, you've done the audit, you've given me some hard truths. Uh, you've trained me how to be in front of a camera. Uh, Probably not. And, to talk, and to talk to all of your audiences, whether it's your employees, whether it's, you know, you're going out to a community meeting, having a open town hall, town hall kind of meetings, all of that you can be trained for in advance and learn how to deliver compassionate, confident, competent messages, no matter how much somebody is in your face. Can you say those three again? Compassionate? Compassionate, Com confident, and competent. We call that the three C's crisis communication. Perfect. Why are there three C's? Because I made up the list. That's why there's three C's. Outstanding. <laughs> so. How do I, or how does this business owner handle, you know, you have a big company. A lot of people, you do. Know, you stick a camera in somebody's face who's coming out on a lunch break who works in the stock room. They might want to say something. How do you get that word out and how do you mitigate that? We even see that in politics, you know. Somebody oh, absolutely. Or you see, you know, a manufacturing plant fire and the the reporter is interviewing the, you know, the security guard. Exactly. Because, because when we do a plan and training, we don't just train spokespersons. The entire staff receives some level of training and the basic training for everybody includes 
the media relations policy, which should be only so-and-so and so-and-so are spokespersons for this company. If you are approached at any time by a member of traditional or social media and asked about this, all you need to say is, I am not a spokesperson for the company, but I can refer you to someone who is, and then you refer them. And so everybody in the company, except for the spokesperson, <laughs> need to know that phrase. And when they do, it's built into the plan, it's built into the training, it's repeated at refresher training every six months, so people get it in their heads. This is, I'm not a spokesperson, and under no circumstances, even if I'm called at home, even if I'm ambushed in the parking lot, I am not a spokesperson, that's my answer. Outstanding. And the phrase, no comment should never come out of your client's that's mouth. Quite correct, because no comment has been perpetually associated with I am guilty, I am hiding. Even I tell my clients to just excise the word comment, period, just so it, from their conversation. And our younger viewers will not know what a London Fog raincoat is. If you've been handcuffed and that raincoat is hiding your handcuffs, don't bring that up to your face because even yeah. in profile, if you're somebody that's in the media, we know who you are even in profile. That's right. So look, look the camera in the eye. It's amazing. So and there are techniques if you're ambushed. I mean, it's I tell I tell my clients to kill the media with kindness. If you're ambushed, or get an ambush, and you just say, "Look, I'd love to talk to you, but not right here and right now." So let's set up a time, maybe two hours from now, in my office, whatever it is, which gives you time to gather your thoughts, re review your key messages, maybe call me, go over them. Absolutely, then, I, I would be you. Would, I'd be calling you immediately. Well, we we get those kind of calls at four a.m. and two p.m. and because we're the on-call agency for a number of businesses. Outstanding. So I do like that point. Yes, I like to meet. Yeah, absolutely. Not here, not now, but you set the time, the place, and the setting. In these interviews, how important is the setting? It, it is important because it, it depends on the situation. Sometimes we want to avoid, for example, having a company sign in the background because it just, you know, it just associates if it's a negative story it further associates the company's name with the negative story and they're going to be doing that enough in the media we don't need to do it for them that's an excellent and, and so uh and if you're a ceo you don't want to come across as a stiff corporate spokesperson which many of them do yeah. you and so it's you want to be seen in a setting you're comfortable so maybe it's more of a uh, a, a nice uh, living room type setting and a more casual kind of interview, and maybe you know, CEO is not wearing a tie, but they're still dressed very comfortably and professionally looking. And the other thing, it's not always the CEO having the CEO for a really major incident. Yes, but some incidents, if you have the CEO, it makes the incident seem bigger than it is. So maybe the CEO for at the onset, and then refer at, you know after we're downstream a little bit, then bring in the, the spokesperson. Yeah, and the VP of corporate communications or whoever that is who who does that. And do you? you do you allow your client, do you look at lighting? Do you look at the, the setup? Because if you look at any good interview, at least the ones that I find are good, they're two stable chairs. There's your client and the reporter. There's And stable chairs are important. You, you, uh, you have probably encountered that literally some media places have uncomfortable chairs. On purpose. On purpose. Absolutely. And when we would do some training, when we, when we would borrow a, a local studio here to do training, it had uncomfortable, really uncomfortable forward slanting, make you slide off the chair, chairs. And the lights and flattering to the commentator and not, not to, and not exactly. to the client. But, and, and what you're referring to, though, is an important point that we make in media training. There are 
only two choices in a media interview about who manages the interview. Either the reporter, which is the default that we give them, even though we don't have to, or we, the spokesperson, manage it. And, and everybody thinks it's the reporter who's got to do it. No, we can manage it. It's entirely up to us. And our, my trained clients ask questions like, how are you going to frame the shot? Are you getting just head and shoulders like, like you are right now to me? Right. You know, are you getting half body? Are you getting full body? Do you think you'd be zooming in much? You know that we like to, the, the good cameramen like to zoom in when you're sweating and make you look exactly. bad. Exactly. Which is why when we do training, we look for signs like that. Is does this does this spokesperson get nervous and start sweating when when they're interviewed? If so, well, that can be countered in a lot of ways, including some simple makeup, and to 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 prevent that. So we look at all of that. Yes, and if you're dealing with uh, if you're dealing with a setting that you can control completely, now sometimes you can't. Sometimes the media control of the setting, all you can do is make requests. Can but at least you know what you're dealing with. Do you ask for questions, even though you're probably not going to get a list of them beforehand, are you? We ask if it's a negative situation. If, if my client's on the wrong end of the story, uh, we're not going to get a list of questions. Right. We, the best we'll do is gather some, what, what's the general direction of the story, and even then they may be lying. Oh, of course they yes. Especially yeah, nowadays, they got to make those ratings. Yeah, so it's just like you just don't assume that. And, you know, it doesn't matter what I tell my clients, it doesn't matter what their questions are because you're not there to answer their questions. You're there to deliver your messages. Did you hear and that, no matter folks? What you, well, no matter what you get asked. Did you hear that? That's that's one of the many golden eggs we're going to get here. Would you say that again? You're not there to answer their you're questions? You're not there to answer their questions. You're there to deliver your messages. And sure, you can answer their questions too, but it is not your priority. And there's always the option of saying, before I answer that, let me make these points, point A, point B, point C. I've already gotten three message points out before I even address the question. <laughs> and then I do that again. And if it's a recorded interview, I keep doing that because you never know which portion of the recorded interview they're going to use. And you want to make your message point constantly. So those of you are watching, now that you've heard that, you now know who a lot of Jonathan's clients are because you've seen that, especially in the political cycle, you see it in debates. You see it anywhere. These folks do just that, and they repeat it over and over again because what? We don't know when they're going to edit that and how they're going to pull that out. Well, the greatest compliment that the CEO of Craigslist ever gave me was he heard a reporter, uh, I think it was CNN actually, a say, complain after the interview with him. I couldn't get him to say what I wanted him to say. Oh, that that's that should be on your wall. That should be framed behind <laughs> you. It should be up on the wall. Well, I, I have to say, Craig Newmark's endorsement is on our website. Oh, I so did. I've seen that. And it's, front, it's front and center as it should be. So we've done the training. This critical event has happened. Uh, you've got me in front of cameras. I'm answering the questions. The employees are doing the right thing. They're sending people to our spokesperson. Mm-hmm. I should be on the. I should be on the attack. Not the attack. That's not the right word. I should be proactive, shouldn't I? Should I be? reaching out what i mean well you've got you've got messages for all of your stakeholders your friendly ones your your you've got general messages for everybody and then you're going to have some audience specific messages that might be particular to if you're an nra to your members obviously and uh, and you then you monitor for feedback and based on the feedback that and also you're monitoring social media to see what people are saying you adapt your messaging 
but you don't go initially you're what you're trying to do is funnel everybody to the place where you tell the story your way and the whole goal of all your outreach is to say go read this website that we've created and we've talked up till now about the in-person things but i understand you've got a team in the backward that's backwards background that's monitoring social media print uh other news outlets everywhere and are you addressing those you so you've yeah. got a team yeah and we've actually got a, a new uh, contractor we're working with that can do some fascinating things using ai to screen social media for particular terms outstanding and it can really and he, he's actually primarily using his business to help employers screen potential employees but it has I immediately spotted the use it could have for threat assessment, and uh, and we're talking about that now. So I think we'll be able to actually add that service to our manual screening in the near future. And you're going to love that as the person managing the crisis. The attorneys are going to love that, and the client and the person you've chosen as spokesperson is going to love having all this information so they can see where you're trending, what what falsehoods are going out there. Got got to have intel to make good decisions. Outstanding. I I'm so fired up. Uh, if those of you listening and you're in business, I want you to go to the website. I want you to check it out. If you see the value in this, don't wait for something to happen. I'd want Jonathan's name and number in my phone. And when I call him at 3 in the morning, I'd want him to know who I was, when I called, what my business was about. I'd want him to have already done his remote survey. I don't want him to do all that stuff because I tell you, things happen so fast. You watched our show. We've talked about critical incidents. You know, we, we've had, God willing, we've had some folks who've been shot. How fast did that happen? How fast did their whole life turn around? How fast were their cameras in front of their house? The same can happen with your business. can happen anyway. So I would like to, Jonathan, tell me what it's like. I go to your website. I reach out and contact you, and I tell you, hey, I'm ABC Company. Uh, sign me up. What's the first thing I need to do? And how much of a time, me as CEO, can, do I pass this off to somebody else in the company other than the training you're going to give me? Uh, what's that look like? What's a time frame look like? Well, it's the there's a very clear process established for response. How the crisis you'll have a core crisis management team for the organization that are the people who respond to any crisis, and then maybe you've got some team members who are for specific crisis. Maybe you need an engineer for a particular type of thing. Maybe you need a ballistics expert for a particular type of thing. Whatever it is, so you have those all lined up in advance. And so at that point, you know all of your resources, you have all of your messages, and it's just a question of applying the right resources to the situation. So if I retain you today, I'll be hearing from these folks in the next hours and days as we prepare. for. If I, I'm just talking about an eventuality, not something that's yeah. going to happen in real time. So I know that I'm going to have, I'm going to learn compassion, confidence, and I can't even remember. Competence. Competence. That's a P, Ed. That's a P you wrote there. And you're yeah. Gonna, and there, there's another, there's also a related to that, there are what we call the five tenets or five laws of crisis management. And once again, and those, are on your, those are on your site. Yes. And, and, be, and, uh, and there, there are five of them because I made up this list too. So there you go. And here's the rules. And you've already referred to the first one a lot. It needs to be prompt. Communication needs to be prompt because in the absence of communication, rumor and innuendo fail the gap. Absolutely. That's and another. We see that every day, every yep. day, right? Every minute of every day. All I have to do is go to Twitter right now and I would see it. 
So, uh, and Twitter is the lead in rumor and innuendo, of course, but it goes elsewhere too. Did you hear and that, you folks? Mean, Twitter is the lead in rumor and innuendo. Well, it's, it's just, true. It's, just, it's the first place anybody goes these days to just share whatever's on their mind, whatever alleged facts they have, and and often with no link to any substance whatsoever. But if they get picked up, if it goes viral, it, it, on the internet, it's not a question of truth. It's a question of perceived credibility. Just as an aside for my followers, I'm not allowed to go on Twitter. <laughs> I, I have been forbidden from going on Twitter. I, uh, I'm not even allowed to post stuff on our YouTube. I don't even know the password for our YouTube channel because they think I'm going to comment on other people's things, which I would do if they gave me the password. <laughs> but, uh, you, yeah, you, you've got to um, back to the list. Prompt was the first one. Compassion is the second. It's on that list as well. So compassion is very important because if you don't deal with people's feelings, they won't listen to the facts. And I'll give you an example from real life. Uh, are you married? I'm embarrassingly available. Yes. Okay. Well, have you been I'm smiling, in, aren't I? Oh, yes. Have you, have you been in committed relationships Oh, before? absolutely. Have you ever if tried marriages, to if resolve a, a disagreement based on only addressing the facts and tell someone these are the factual reasons why you shouldn't feel bad. Yeah, that doesn't work. Doesn't work well. <laughs> doesn't work well. Particularly, doesn't work well with our partners, no. spouses of any kind. But it, it it doesn't work well with audiences. Period. So compassion is so critical. So prompt, compassionate, interactive communication needs to be interactive these days. You need people need to have a way to give you feedback, and you need that, that intel. And that, so that's to, that is. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but. Yeah. Instagram, we have a lot of fun with. On Instagram, I get so frustrated with these guys who get in the middle of something, and what do they do? Turn off commenting. They share their, and I know it's got to be a pain in the butt. To, I don't have that problem to manage 5,000 comments, 500 comments, 30 comments. I'm lucky on a good day keep those comments coming. But seriously, they turn it off. So I'm thinking, yeah, you're just pontificating, telling me something, and I want to interact with you, and it says commenting has been limited for this post. Yeah, it's the same as saying no comment. Yeah. You hear that, folks? Don't turn off your comments. Mr. Bernstein yeah. has directed you not to. Yeah. Now, if you're being, you know, you, that is sometimes necessary to block a user who is violating your terms of use. And it's, uh, you should know that the default terms of use, for example, on Facebook are not nearly adequate to protect you. You need to have, if you have a company web page, you should have a terms of use on it that makes it clear what you will not accept so that when you, say get personally attacked because that's not acceptable then everybody else using your your page will understand when you delete a user okay. because that person so you, you put but that if you just do it if you do it randomly then you get criticized so put that on your corporate page and make reference to it on your facebook page it will put it put you should have terms to use for each of your points of presence on online perfect that makes Cor absolutely. corporate page facebook page instagram page twitter account Whatever, you know, you're not going to anywhere that, you know, Twitter, of course, you can't delete somebody else's, but you can't block them. I, and, I only know about Twitter. I never get to see it. Well, we, we have to monitor it mostly. We don't, we, and we use it, we use it on the positive end of, we, we post links to drive people, of course, to our website, but it's the same technique to drive people to a site for an incident. And so people will look for that, and Twitter is very useful. I didn't mean to cut interrupt you, but I, I'm famous for that. Number four was where we were left off. Okay, uh, number four, uh, it needs to be informative. That's the basic. You have to answer the journalistic 
who, what, where, why, when, and how, that your basic journalistic interrogatives. You don't have to put yourself in jail and give away that kind of detail necessarily, but you have to at least answer basic questions. And the nice thing is if you're doing it proactively, you're taking the top of the mountain first. You know, then, then it's as opposed to if you have to do all this reactively, it takes on a defensive tenor to it. You'd rather not have, if you know you're going to be in trouble and we're, we're dealing with a couple of embezzlement cases right now, we're going to get proactive. We want the word to come out before somebody gets arrested. And the informative sometimes can be painful too, can it, yeah. to the yeah. client? Because if, you, yeah. you're gonna if you're going to be compassionate, be, you're going to tell the truth. You want your truth, I, I would assume, as opposed to the elaborated truth by yeah. the other storytellers. Well, that's the, uh, that's the fifth point. You need to be honest. And there's four ways I tell, four ways I tell my clients, and there's also four ways I've told my kids as they grew up that you can be dishonest. By commission, you know, literally saying that black is white. By omission, what you leave out, that happens a lot, particularly in certain industries. Uh, by exaggeration or by understatement. If you do any of those for the purpose of obfuscating the truth, that will be perceived as dishonest. So don't do it. Well, exaggeration and understatement. Understatement. This is this is a PhD in crisis management. So you, we try to make we try to make our stuff very user friendly. We talk about educating people who are crisis managers, whether they want to be or not. <laughs> and it, it, even a family should have a crisis management plan of some sort. Well, I'm, I live in Southern California. You, de you better believe I've got a plan for earthquakes. I live on the fourth floor. I have a, I'm 50 foot off the ground. I have a 60 foot knotted line in my closet and a one week supply of food and water. So. Uh, you know, the one week supply, uh, one of the nice companies, I think it was Patriot Food Supply. That's who it was. Sent me a month, unless they mean like, a day and a half. No, I'm, I'm a big guy, Jonathan. I like to eat. Nobody nobody doubts me there. But, yes, you should have the food supply. And when I lived in Laguna Beach, which was a wonderful place to spend a summer, any place other than Arizona is a great place to spend the summer, the lady was so nice to show me the gas turnoff and the special yeah. tool she had Yes. for the rental house. And she showed me that and this, that. And she said, you'll know the earthquake is coming when the deer run by. And I, I thought, okay, the deer are going to run by. And the next-door neighbor uh, was a kind soul. Um, she came home one day, and I said, they're not eating your flowers, your roses. And she said, well, it's because of these. And she held up a little bag. I'm way off topic, but I'm having fun. And she was going up to a monastery up near, uh, I guess, El Toro. I don't know where the naval base used to be or, or a marine air base. But she was getting mountain lion dung in plastic bags. Ah. With perforated holes, <laughs> and they lasted about thirty days. She'd tear that bag and drop it on either end of a rose garden, and the deer would avoid it. So, after all my earthquake lessons, I thought this is never going to happen. I got knocked out of a lazy boy chair. There's nothing like an earthquake when you're in a redwood house hanging off a cliff in the mm. Beach. I, I I've been on one of those hanging off a cliff. <laughs> I'm always worried that yeah. there'd be an earthquake while I was there. Fun, great time, but the. Most terrific part of that was everybody gathers in the street afterwards, after we, everybody's okay. And I, I said, boy, that was something else. And one of the neighbors said, well, it wasn't like the big one. And I said, what do you mean the big one? She said, you'd notice we're the only street that doesn't have overhead utility lines. 
And I said, why? She said, well, when we all got washed down the hill the last time, they decided to bury everything when they rebuilt the street. Needless to say, I didn't enjoy much of that last remaining week in Laguna Beach. I I can't stress enough to viewers, I I love this industry. I like the gun industry. As you well know, because I talk about it so much, I was involved in the gun industry before the NFA bill passed, before full automatic weapons had to be registered and you could order them from a catalog and you could shoot them and you could enjoy them. I mean, a lot of people just enjoyed the Knob Creek machine gun shoot in this past weekend. Three and a half million rounds were expended at the Big Sandy shoot here in Arizona. A great thing. But you know what? Uh, those manufacturers, Uzis, you, we made, a guy made Uzis in Louisville, Kentucky that were out of this world. Something happened. Nobody was addressing this. Somebody blamed these weapons. Uh, and, you know, to be honest, we look at mass shootings. and These weapons aren't being used because they're so expensive, first off. But that whole industry went away. I don't know, probably three, 500 gun makers went away overnight. And like I said before, I don't know what your machines can be retooled to do. I don't know what your employees can be trained to do. But you've got a lot invested in this stuff. I'm being selfish. I want you around. I want... And we'll make concessions. I know you guys are doing some ammunition out there that's uh, more friendly to the environment, and I get that. But I'm selfish. I want you, if you don't go to Jonathan, which you make a mistake if you don't, at least go to his website, take in that information, plug his number in your phone, reach out to him. Uh, and if you make money, and some of you make really good money at this, I don't know what his retaining f- retainer fee is, and I'm not going to ask him. I think it's worth what. Ever it is. Look what he's done for us today for fun and for free. He's given us his time and shared these things that have taken him over 30 years to come up with, to comply. And not only that, they're proven. You go to the website, there's people's, not only does it say the company who utilized his services, what they had to say about it, it's got their name. You know, you can look these people up if you want to. You can reach out and contact them. So it's BernsteinCrisisManagement.com. Uh, when Mike, with a Y, our producer, is finished with all the editing, the phone number is going to be here available to us. Uh, any last words? Having been, yeah, you're, having been a gun guy, any last words for us? Yes, your listeners might want to know, because this is brand new to our business. We've been asked over and over and over again, do we do any available to anyone training? And the, up, up until now, while we give away a lot of information on our website, as you know, We've never formally offered an available to anyone training course. Uh, last week, we launched the first course. It's called Best Practices in Crisis Management. And if, if a company buys 10 reservations in that course, it'll cost them like $43 per person. Whoa, $43, yeah. not 43000 $43 per person. If a single individual wants to sign up for the course, it's $109. It's a one-hour course, roughly but you will learn 30 years worth of best practices in crisis management right there. And as a basic primer for anybody, we think it's absolutely a, a must do. And we made it a very digestible price for that purpose. And we're, that's news to me and that's exciting news to me because of the tens of dollars that we rake in promoting materials, I'm gonna allocate some of that to take that class. And we're gonna put a link for that on our YouTube, Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, I suspect somebody might send you a coupon code so you can take the class oh, free. Outstanding. <laughs> and if you want to send a coupon code that helps our listeners get we in there. That. That, we could do that. We could do that as well. And uh, have you thought about attending SHOT Show? No. As it, we have, frankly, um, 
More than you can handle, I think. As much as we can. We, I, I've run a virtual business for 25 years, so I can expand it as necessary. Almost everybody who works for me is, is a top-level contractor. So if I need to expand more, I do. But right now, if there's a dozen of us, pretty busy. So, so and I, I think, and a little bird may have told me, <laughs> uh, another, you're staying busy with something about the Me Too movement, aren't you? Very. Um, about one, one new case a week. Did you hear that, and, folks? One new case a week. On average, sometimes more. And it's all varieties. It's cases where somebody has actually done something wrong. There's cases where they might have, done, might have done something wrong. And there's cases where they have not done anything wrong. But the accusation alone is, can ruin you for life. And uh, so it has to be handled very carefully. And if every business, gun or any other industry, has to be getting ahead of this right now and looking at their own people and where they're at risk, of being accused of Me Too, because I guarantee you any disgruntled employee with the beef could turn it into a Me Too thing, including reverse discrimination. I love your energy and your enthusiasm. This must be very rewarding work for you. Must we, be very we satisfying. We help people. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and it, it, it shows, and I appreciate that. I just... Folks, I don't push a lot of things. This is a class you can... Now this is good. Um, we're doing this. I want you to do this to whet your appetite because, as I said, if you're in business, and he's not in your, I used to say Rolodex, and I got corrected a week ago. Yeah, I know <laughs> because most of our listeners uh, don't know what a Rolodex. I should say your platinum contact list. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to see him in your contact list, and I'd like to see you as a client of his. Uh, I don't always get what I want. Look at my hair today. I could obviously tell I, I don't get what, always get what I want. <laughs> Any last words for us? No, it's, uh, you only have to, we are fond of saying that trying to, you know, operate a business without having a crisis plan is like driving a car straight at a wall without a seatbelt, because you will have a crisis. It's impossible to be in business without having a crisis. And why you don't plan and train for that to mitigate damages, plenty of statistics on how much money is saved by being ready in advance. Just like a just like a fire drill. Yep. One last question, and I, I'm going to ask you to be honest. Do I have a chance in media? Do I have a face for radio? Do I have? I, think, a- I, th- I certainly think you've got the radio voice, and yeah, you've got the, you've got a char- your character. Did you hear yeah. that, folks? I got a voice for radio. Well, I yeah. I don't know. I we have a special friend that introduced us, uh, yes. and I want to thank him. He, well, I'm going to force him to watch this. And that's another thing that uh, we do some videos where I talk about life hacks. And and one of those is contacts. And I don't, I don't manage that contact list to get things. I I like to collect people. I like to collect interesting people, fascinating people, knowledgeable people. Uh, And our mutual friend is a Harvard graduate, an attorney, a Rhodes Scholar. Don't hold that against him. Uh, He's an amazing gentleman, and I like to talk to him, and we talk about everything, and he's very serious, and I I perturb him a lot because I don't always stick to the thing, but I asked him. He also has a very dry sense of humor. Yeah, but he is funny, and I said to him, he said, what are you working on? I said, my big, this has been on my mind for almost two months, the crisis management, because I get so frustrated with this industry at the lack of response or what I consider an inappropriate response, and I said to him, I need a crisis management expert. He gave us that grin that you're, you've worked with him for what, 20 years. Gave me that grin and said, I'm sending something to your phone. And he said something that if you're in business, this is the most valuable thing ever. Would you like me to reach out and call him for you? There's nothing, in my opinion, in, if you're in business, better than a warm referral. 
because you yeah. know who I was when I call and and the person is taking a lot of trust it is is shit, taking a lot of trust in you because they're loaning you their reputation or their relationship when they do that and we do the same thing with everybody we work with we're extremely careful about picking the contractors we work with to, and they become you know very close members of the of the Bernstein crisis management family and and I and I appreciate that and I can tell it's family I, I love the website uh, I probably accounted for the last 500 hits on there in the last two months because Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> because you really struck a nerve with me when you said compassion because I, I think in, in the end all is especially as we get older I I find myself feeling more compassion and reaching out more for others so again it's BernsteinCrisisManagement.com there's a phone number there's an email there if you like what you heard today send him an email let him know put those interns of his to work making read those emails but visit the website. Look for the best practices class that I'm going to be taking, and I hope you will, too. Reach out to Mr. John Emerson. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. 